welcome for those of you that are just joining us. Maybe you jumped in the middle of that and I didn't get a chance to say it earlier. Welcome. We're Antioch West. Uh, this is Antioch West virtual, but thankfully uh, we are we are we're not just virtual. We are a church that is moving. We're just we do things a little different. We have groups that meet virtually, groups that meet in person, and we meet virtually. We meet in person. We are following God in this new path He's brought us on, and so it doesn't always fit with maybe the mentality of the past. Trust me, it's a week by week journey. As the cloud moves, we move with it. But welcome for those of you that are part. We're so glad to have you. All right, I think that takes care of that again. If you have questions, hopefully we'll get them answered here in the next couple of weeks. Um, for those of you that are a part of a of a small group, you can ask your small group uh, leader and um, for questions. And um, if they can't answer it because they don't know, we'll make sure we get all that information passed along as we get further into this. Praise God. We talked about it last week, and I want to get back into it again this week. Um, and we're kind of, again, it wasn't necessarily attempting to be a series, but breaking each one of these components down, it's uh, getting a little more in-depth than I thought I was going to. And we're talking about the fact of discipleship simplified. And what I mean by that is this last two years, when it seems like so much has been stripped away, God-driven, obviously, um, it kind of gets you down to sort of the bare bones. What's the... what? What's really necessary? And I, I don't mean that necessarily from a salvation standpoint. I mean that from the standpoint, what things are really, really important and vital for helping me grow closer to Jesus Christ? And what may just be added fluff, bonus? You know, exactly right. Let's put it this way. Now, some of you may disagree with me. Dessert is wonderful, but dessert is not necessary. My kids all the time. What's for dessert? Well, there's no nothing in the contract that says we have to give you dessert every time we have a meal. If there is dessert, great. But no, no dessert tonight. Because dessert is a bonus. It's not necessary. What is necessary for you to be able to grow, to be healthy? Because when you pull all that back, you find there's a lot of stuff that we enjoy. A lot of stuff we enjoy to eat. A lot of stuff we enjoy to, to drink. But it's not necessary for our survival. It's a bonus, but not necessary. But if you're in a situation at, like the, the, the people in Ukraine right now that are just dealing with horrific conditions and people in the town of Maripol who have lost basic, basic functioning facilities like uh, 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 power and water and things like that, listening to the stories of survival coming out of those places, life gets real simple real fast. You ever been in a situation? I haven't quite been in that situation, but you know, during COVID was one and beginning of COVID, especially when you'd walk into the grocery store and I mean, shelves would be completely empty. And especially for us Americans, that's not something we were used to seeing, right? Just, you know, I remember taking pictures on my phone just because it just didn't equate. You go by and there'd be no meat. There'd be nothing. I mean, just empty shelf. And this is Walmart, right? Walmart, Big, huge stores with empty shelves. It gets really down to, in those times, what was necessary? What was the main basic things to help sustain and grow? Not just surviving from day to day. Obviously, if it came down to it, right, you can go 40 days, roughly about that, give or take a few days, with no food. You can go up to three 
you know, two, three, four days with no water. So you could literally survive with just water for 40 plus days. You know, you could survive with a very minimal diet for, you know, depending on your health and previous conditions, you might be able to survive. But that's really not living, right? That's not healthy. It's not sustaining. What's the necessary amount or what's the necessary things for true health, sustaining and growth? And what is that? So I said all that as an example of when when we've been on this journey the last couple of years at Antioch West and so much has been stripped away, right? We didn't have the ability to meet. Our, we were very limited what we could do. A lot of it was online um, and virtual and many different things. And even in our personal life, my personal life, my wife's life, those of you that are part of Antioch West, even in our personal life, so much of the things we were used to doing we couldn't do at the time. It was stripped away from us. So there was a lot of things that we found that uh, were were part of our lives that were no longer. I'm not saying those were good or bad. That's not the point of what I'm making. I'm saying it really forces you to get to what's necessary. What's really the what are, what are really the components that that add to and edify us? And what is just it's good, but it's just added. It's 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 added on. It's not necessary. And I said that because I, I really feel like in this last couple of years, God has led me to a simplification. I, I, I said this before. I love, and um, I don't know, I, I wish I could tell you, I'm just going to kind of throw myself under the bus here. I wish I could tell you it was just so much, it was just out of hunger. And I believe there is a hunger in my heart to know the word of God. But I'm also a very inquisitive person. I'm a very, uh, you know, my family kind of, my, you know, my family makes fun of me because if you ask a question, I'm going to go Google it. I'm going to look it up. But, you know, I, let's, let's, go, let's go figure out this is true. Uh, some of you literally, can I just say this out there? I'm going to throw this out there. Listen, y'all on Facebook, before you post something, take a moment and Google it. That's all I'm going to say. Because some of y'all are posting stuff and one little Google search just blows your whole premise right out the water. I'm not saying Google is Jesus, that everything on Google is right, but mm, y'all might want to just double check. Like someone made the comment a while back about the Apple logo, that there was a bite in the apple because Steve Jobs was trying to show that the Garden of Eden with the apple being bit was, he, he was, and all you have to do is do a little Google search and find out that little apple bite was because when they first brought him the original design, he didn't know it was an apple. So the designers took a little bite out of it, and he said, oh, it looks like an apple. Now, I know you're like, oh, you're just being naive. This is the underlying spirit of the world. Google it. Google it. Between the Word of God and Google, you can find a lot of answers. I'm saying all that because some of y'all need to be careful what you're promoting online with your posts before you've checked. That's all I'm saying, okay? That's That's... That's all I want to say about that. But my point I'm trying to make is, is that the simplification of things, as God has led, us, led me to this, is that in my own life, I, I, I'm inquisitive. I want to know. So I, in the word of God, man, I love digging into some like, just some nitty gritty, intricate things that are just, 
I mean, I'd say they're just cool, man. This is like really cool just to get into some really in-depth kind of the nuances of the Word of God and the nuances of translations and the nuances of culture and how this fit there. And man, I, I love to study, you know, Roman culture and Greek culture and Hebraic roots. And I get into all that, man, and you can get into that stuff and you can just, I mean, you can get deep into it. And there's 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 benefit to it. There's edification to it. I'm not saying it's all no good, but is it helping me grow closer to him? Because I got to be frank with you, for me, and I'm just going to throw it on me, I can't speak for you, sometimes I was getting knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It wasn't growing me closer to Jesus, it just made me sound smarter. Made me sound, and I put this in quotations, more spiritual. But was it helping me in my relationship with Jesus Christ? Was it helping me become a disciple? Was it helping me grow closer to him and be more created in his image? Some of it, yes. Some of it, no. So I say that because if you look at this little series we're doing here in the next last week and the next couple of weeks, it's called Discipleship Simplified. And what we're really trying to do is, what are the? let's break it down to the, the, the components that Jesus Christ really focuses on. Now, they're not just one single thing. They have layers to them. And the, re and the way, where we're taking this from is we're taking this from Mark chapter 1 and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ when he, when he, when he leaves and he calls his first group of disciples, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And verse 16, Mark 1, we read it last week. We'll read it again this week. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew, uh, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And I said this last week, in that one section there, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. We find four, four fundamentals of discipleship. And really, that's what we're called to be, right? We're called to be disciples so that we can make disciples. Right? That's the that's what God is calling us to be. We're not called to be Christians. We're not called to be churchgoers. We're not called to be... Remember, the word Christian came out of the idea that these disciples had become so much like Christ that their description was Christian, which is Christ-like. So we're not, we're not just believers, we're not just Christians, we're called to be disciples because in the end, Matthew 28 says we're called to make disciples. You can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple. This is the goal, right? This is what God is looking for you. What does God want from you? He wants you to become a disciple of him. But this discipleship, there's so many different ways we could take this. And so I'm, again, this is discipleship simplified. We're looking at four, four F's in this verse, right? The first one was we talked about last week. And that was, follow me. The second one is we're going to talk about this today, was formed. The third we'll talk about next week is focus. And finally, the last one we're going to talk about, which is what they did at the end, is forsake. So we're going to take these two. We're going to take them off the board right now. We're going to focus. Last week, we talked on follow me, what that meant. Got this personal invitation. This intimacy, this, this desire to follow him, not to follow a pattern, not to follow a theology, not to follow a doctrine, but to follow him. But we're going to talk about the second part, and that is formed. 
Because if you notice in that scripture, it says uh, that follow me, comma, right? That was the big thing we talked about last week was you can't, you can't dismiss this punctuation mark in that verse. Because you can't get to the next part if you haven't first really solidified the first part. Who are you following? Who are you following? Not just what are you following, but who are you following? And if you're following him, what does that mean? That's what we talked about last week, right? It's to get out of this idea that, well, I'm following Jesus. Okay, if you're following him, how are you following him? What is that in, what is that in real application? Because in theory, everyone says, well, I love Jesus. Great. But the word says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So even Jesus says, okay, your love should have action to it. Because I know people, you meet people on the street. Well, I love the Lord. Okay, great. How? Well, because, you know, I, I love them. Okay, great. How? Well, you know, you know, I go to church every once in a while. Oh, great. I'm not against going to church. But, you know, just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean you love the Lord. How do you love them on Monday? Not Sunday. How do you love them on Wednesday? How are you loving them on Friday? Because again, we can't get to foreign focus and forsake if we haven't first got here. And Jesus kind of allowed this comma to be here to go, okay, first thing first, we got to establish, follow me. You can't follow me if you want to be the leader. This is about lordship. It's about submission. It's about divine order, right? He's the king. You can't, we always talk about kingdom. We want to have the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, you can't have a kingdom without a king. And a king is somebody that's in charge of everything. He dictates it all. Not just spiritual, he dictates everything. He, he tells me what to do and everything. A king is literally in charge of everything. And that's why I've said before, you know, the Bible calls it, and then Isaiah uh, chapter 9, it says he would be the you know, everlasting father, uh, a wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. So in him, if we go from prince to king, we've got to allow him to become king. So once we establish this follow me idea that it's, it's, there's, there's some components to this, there's some, there's some benchmarks to following me, right? We often talk about being saved from something, but in reality, we are saved from something. We're saved from sin. We're saved from death, but it's not just about being saved from something. It's being saved to something. And that's where I think some of us have the mentality, right? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But Jesus Christ comes in our life, right? For the sake of saving us, redeeming us, washing us, being born again, all those terminologies you talk about. That's awesome. But it's not just about being saved from something. It's being saved to something. I have been through, I'm still going through it. I, uh, it's taken me almost 40 years to learn in some ways some very simple lessons, but this old stubborn, um, mentality of mine and, um, uh, pride and hard headedness and stubbornness and every other fleshly thing you want to throw in there has kept me from learning some very simple lessons. And, um, I have... Um, had some, um, some of you may know this term, some of you may not. I've had some Hindenburg moments. Hindenburg was the big airship that I think it was in the 30s that caught on fire of this huge catastrophe in New Jersey. Maybe you've seen pictures of it. 
I've had some absolute destructive moments in the last couple years. And in a desire to not repeat those again, and a desire to try to help the Lord, let the Lord fundamentally change me, I began to ask the Lord and examine some things in my life. And one of the things of error that I found in my life that I'm still, you talk about stuff being ingrained in you. There's some things that are ingrained in you that it, it's just, boy, the habits run deep, right? It's amazing how patterns of thinking are just so ingrained in us. But the, uh, um, the thing that really the Lord began to show me was I, in order to change, I would stop doing things. And even though there were certain things, yes, I should stop doing because they were destructive in their, in either in the, what they led to or they were destructive in their, what, what they were doing. So whether or not they were negative at start, but that what they led to was destructive, but just things that I needed to stop. Okay, I stopped those. But the problem was the error that I would fall into and I would repeat this. And some of you, let me help you here for a second. Some of you are trying to change, but you keep finding yourself revisiting the same patterns of behavior, the same faults, the same struggles, the same things in your life. Because the problem is, is that you're stopping things that you go, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. This is wrong. This is bad, whatever, whatever it is. Or you just, you want to cut it out of your life. Great. You cut it out. But that's only one part. We talked about this about a month ago when we talked about lost in translation. We talked about for, uh, repentance, right? Because for us, rep- there's a difference between forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness takes care of what we've done, but repentance produces change. That's why if you really, uh, if you make a mistake and you ask God to forgive you and you find yourself repeating that over and over again, because really you're, 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 you're misunderstanding what repentance is. And we talked about it. Repentance was not just a, a, a stopping of an action, but it was a turning to or returning to something to replace that action. So for my life, what I just, what, what the Lord began to deal with, and I'm still fighting through this. I mean, you're talking about 40 years of ingrained or 39 years of ingrained uh, mentality it takes a while to kind of reshape the the old uh, noggin here. But to stop something is one part of it. But you have to, you it it's not just about what you're not doing, but it's about what you are doing. This is not original with me. I think in fact, in fact, my wife, I don't, I think she said it recently on one of the broadcasts here. And I say recently, I don't know if it was within the last six months or so. The things that are most destructive to us spiritually are not the things that we do. It's the things we don't do. We often focus on the do's and the don'ts. But really, it's not just not doing the don'ts. But it's really about not what we are, are, are not doing. It's about what, we're, what, we're, what we've done or maybe doing. It's really what we're not doing. For example... You know, okay, I'm going to use something. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, uh, trying to think of somebody that's safe. Uh, this is a little extreme. I get it. So please bear with me here. I know this is a little extreme, but it's the safest 
safest and most universal thing I can come up with on, on the fly here. That's not going to uh, offend somebody. But we all know we shouldn't murder. Right? There's nothing in the Bible that justifies murder. Now, I'm not getting the whole self-defense argument. Good Lord, here's some of you. Well, what if someone... Did, no, we're just, just keep it simple. Murder is wrong, right? So, I don't murder. Okay, I haven't murdered anybody. Great, check that off. That's one of the great Ten Commandments. No, don't come... Don't, I shall not kill. But you know what's more detrimental than not killing somebody? Not praying. Not fellowshipping with God. Don't forget, I read this before, and I've used this verse a thousand times in the last two years. Matthew 7. Let's read it again for those of you that might. If you have a Bible, go with me real quick. Matthew chapter 7, right? Let's go there real quick. Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at what Jesus simplified. And I'm going to get deformed here in a minute. I'm getting off a little bit of a rabbit trail. That's fine. We'll get back to it. Verse 21. Not everyone who asks, who everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. These are believers. These are people that are acknowledging he's the Lord. In fact, there's this, you can get into a little bit why the double Lord, right? There's two Lords there. Why the double Lord? So these are not just outsiders. These were people that thought they had the inside track. And they said, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonderful work, wonders in your name? And then verse 23 is one of the just, just amazing scriptures in all the Bible. Verse 23, he says this. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now look at that. In, God, in, in Jesus' eyes, prophesying, casting out demons, doing wonderful works, all that was great. But to him, the most important part was... Who's in charge of your life? Where's your will at? Where's your will? He said, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the heaven, but those that do the will of the Father. Now, that's not talking about just spiritual will, but whose, whose life is in alignment with him every day. That You can't get more simple than Now, simple doesn't mean easy, because we're going to get to this in a minute. That right there... Ooh, that's a lifelong, that, that, that's a hard, that's a hard fleshly road. That takes a lot of fleshly dying out. But for Jesus, he simplified it all to this one word. Will. The will. So when we go back to this again, to these first two, Jesus is already establishing the road that we all should take. Whether this is your first Sunday watching and you don't know anything about it, I'm going to go ahead and get you to where you need to go. And those of you that have been doing this for a while, to remind you what this is all about. Jesus first gives you an invitation about him. Follow me. This is about me. But in following him, what he really wants to become is to become the king, the lord of your life. Not so he can 
hoard over you and kind of have this giant scepter to tell you, good, bad, you wrong, me right. But because in following him, he wants to form you and to make you. Here's the point. You have a choice today. You're, you're in two categories. Here's the term. Here's the two words. There's two different categories of people watching today. Those of you that are being conformed and those that are you are being formed. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Right? So what does that mean? I'll put it to you this way. Here's what I mean by that. Now, I hope you got this up here. I'm going to go ahead and erase this. Here's the two different. There's a difference between conformed and formed. The world wants to conform you. So think about it this way, right? We're, we're, this, we're this impressionable shape. The world is pressing you on both sides with its agenda, its thought processes, what it thinks is right. This is good. This is bad. Don't say this. Don't say that. That offends. This is right. It's all about what the world... And the thing about it is, it's always changing, right? The world is always changing its definition. Just think about it. Look how much things have changed in the last couple of years because of COVID. Look how much social media has changed the way we think. Look how much different things and aspected who's in the White House or who, who's, who's the most popular celebrity at the time. Changing and conforming, but it's outside it's conforming. So the world is always pushing on us to conform us into what we want to be. That's why it all, we all, it's desiring to kind of make us all into this same thing. But in reality, to be formed is really in a different way. I'm going to kind of lose this tail for a second. Think about it this way. What Jesus Christ is wanting to do in your life is different because what he's doing starts on the inside. And he is forming you to what he wants you to be. The difference is the source. Confirmation, conformity requires outside influences. Formation requires an internal change. This is the difference between. So where you're at today and what's, what's happening in your life is going to determine how much pressure do you have? How much do you struggle with, with all the things? And this, this, is a, this is a very unhappy existence. This right here, when God's forming you, it's starting from the inside. You don't really see it in the very beginning because it's working deep down in the core. But there's the choice. Are you going to be conformed or are you going to be formed? But see, here's the difference. What's cool about this is the words, the, 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 the verbs that are used in make and become, I will make you become fishers of men, are in the passive voice. 
Now, I'm not very good at English. Um, that's not my strong suit. In this house, when it comes to homework, I handle the, the math and, and I can do history and science. When it comes to English, I don't even touch it. I mean, as y'all can tell, I, I'm, I struggle spelling. So <laughs> if, if you can't spell all that good without spell checker, um, nouns and verbs and direct objects and participles and helping verbs and all that, that is this lady sitting right on the other side of that screen. She can knock that out of the park. She's in charge of English. I'm just going to stick with numbers and history. I don't, I don't do so good with the English thing. But if I look at this situation and I look at what God is trying to create and what the outcome he's trying to produce, these words are not just semantics. They really speak to something. So this word, make and become, they're in the passive voice. Now, there's two types of verbs, right? There's active and passive verbs. But what's unique about the verbs here in this in this sentence, I will make you become fishers of men, is what scholars refer to as divine passive. Meaning that passive does not mean sit back and do nothing. But passive in this standpoint means that the origination of the activation of what is being produced is not coming from you. It's coming from a source outside of you, but it's requiring your participation. But because it's passive, you are being, you're being formed through a, an agent bigger than you. This is a little complicated, a little the theological, but it's, it's an important point to make. Now, this doesn't mean it doesn't require you and I to participate. doesn't mean there's nothing we can do. The point is, is that what we are becoming is out of our control. Conformity is control. And everything in the world you want to control. Man, our world is freaking out right now because we can't control anything. I don't say this as, I don't say this in any way. I know there's a very sensitive topic, so let me make my point without offending anyone. But I, I've, I, it's amazing how many people battle with fear, anxiety, stress, worry. How many are having to take medication to help with these symptoms? And there's a lot of legit reasons out there. I'm not, I know this is a very sensitive topic. But one of the things that's driving into the most is when we can't control things. That's the great illusion of life, is to think we can control. Some of you just may have read the story. It's terrible, horrific. Six teenage girls, I believe it was Kate, Kate I'm correct, two 15-year-olds, two 16-year-olds, a 17-year-old, and I can't remember what the other girl was. One 15, two 15, three 15, two 17? Yeah, yeah two 17. So two 17s, a 16, and three 15-year-olds. All in the car together in Oklahoma. Going, I think they were leaving school to go out and get lunch or something. Two in the front seat, four in the back seat. At a stop sign, they did a rolling stop. Didn't see the tractor trailer coming down the road. And all six girls, three 15-year-olds, one 16 and two 17-year-olds, all dead. A couple weeks ago, a college golf team heading back home to New Mexico off of West Texas. 
driving on a road, a 13-year-old boy was out driving with his dad in a pickup truck, had a blowout, crossed over the center line, hit this van head-on, and killed six or seven members of the golf team. This happens all the time. I think it was last year or whatever it was, a family going to Disney World. The teenage boy was driving, and I think he fell asleep, and everybody in the van was killed. Folks, you can't control anything. You don't know, and I'm not trying to bring stress to you, but you don't know if that doctor's appointment that you have for next week or next month, what the news of it's going to be. My wife and I recently were at the were at the the, uh, the 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 doctors for some things, and we passed the um, the 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 imaging place, and you could almost feel coming out of there the 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 fear and the dread. Why? Because those are people that went for maybe a routine problem, and next thing you know, they're being ushered to a room to say, "We don't. We just found. Here's what we found." So folks, for those of you, and I don't know why I'm saying this this morning, but let me just challenge you with, and we're not even getting to form. We're struggling getting there because Jesus is trying to help somebody. For those of you that are trying to control, you can't control it. Some of you are so weighted down with stress, worry, anxiety, fear. You can't sleep at night. You can't eat. You can't function. Every moment you're waiting for the proverbial ball to drop because you're overwhelmed because you're trying to control. And I wish you could just say this was a, with a problem just to deal, just mostly for women, but I know guys are the same way. We just hide it differently. Guys deal with it differently. Because it's about control. Because you know what? That's the great illusion. Is if we can control things, we can avoid things. But as we're dealing with conformity, we realize we're out of things are we can't control anything. We're being pressed on all sides. So we have a choice today. You can come form or you can be formed. And Jesus is desiring to form you. But here's the point. You're not the one who can control the formation. That's the problem, right? What's the difference? Because it's a divine passive verb, meaning you are participating and you are being shaped and you're doing your part, but you're not in control. That's really what those two verbs make and become there in their in their in their in their tense of being passive, but as a divine passive form. They're basically saying that you and I are participants and we're allowing it to happen, but we can't control it. That's why to follow him, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to let go of you. Why do you think there's always this tug of war between you and God where God's trying to let help ask you to give up more? Well, God's always asking more of me. You know, is this, have I not given him enough? I mean, I'm giving him an hour on Sunday. Is this not enough? And then you're like, okay, oh God, I'll give you 30 minutes every day. And it may work for a week or two. Then God says, okay, how about more? More. God, so he just, he wants, no, he wants all of you. He wants all of me. And now there's 
God is asking things of me and God's challenging me in areas he didn't challenge me three or four years ago. What I could in some ways get away with, I'm not talking about sin, but things I could kind of get away with before, I can't get away with now because God's saying, okay, you're here, but I'm trying to get you to go further. And every place you go further, you've got to, it's, 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 you're decreasing, I'm increasing. Because what? It's about will, right? And we're being formed. What are we being formed? We're being formed into him. And the more I'm being formed to him, it's more his will. But here's the point. If I can get his will and be the Lord of my life, that's what really is, that's what really this is about. Kind of illustrate this point here, and I'm almost done this morning. Kind of illustrate this point. And actually, I think I have the technology here today. Thank you for uh, my gift of um, markers here. Uh, I was hooked up with a with an awesome gift of color markers, but you ever seen one of these? Years ago, my wife and I were walking in the mall. This was probably oh lord, fifteen years ago when malls were still cool, and we went by a kiosk, and in that kiosk was this, this is like a bad game of Pictionary, but in that kiosk. were these. Do you know where I'm going? She doesn't know yet. This is like Pictionary. Guess, Kate, guess. No, just joking. Oh, this is a terrible picture. Terrible, terrible picture. But hopefully you'll get the point. This is terrible. It was bonsai tree. These little bonsai trees. I got so excited because I'm like, man, oh, man, look at that bonsai tree. We got to get a bonsai tree, Kate. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. So guess what? We bought a bonsai tree. This is a terrible bonsai tree. Uh, so for those of you that know more about bonsai tree, don't knock my drawing here. Just trying to make a point. So we bought a bonsai tree. I don't remember. My wife may want to remember. Okay, how old was that tree when we bought it? Ten years old. She still has. Pray for her. Bringing up the story. Just She still has to give it to Jesus. We bought a ten-year-old tree. This thing looked about like that. It's about that big, actually. We bought a home. This thing was awesome. It was amazing. But we were bonsai novices. It looked amazing, but we didn't exactly know... What to do with Mr. Old Bonsai. Within, I don't know how long, was it about a year? Did it last that long? Six months? No, maybe a year. About a year. Pray for her. She's right here. She needs, she has to let it go. It's okay, kid. You, you just give it to Jesus. It's all right. Within a year, we killed that bonsai tree. We didn't know how to take care of it. You see, what people don't know about the bonsai is that the bon most people think about you've seen a bonsai tree right it's about this big and it's different type trees and maybe you are a bonsai expert maybe you are the mr miyagi of bonsai trees but i am not but i know a little bit about them since then and what's amazing about the bonsai tree is is that people think a bonsai tree is a dwarf tree it's actually not that a bonsai tree is actually the exact dna of a larger tree it's exactly the same as a larger tree. 
It's not a dwarf. But here's the problem. Here's the thing that makes a bonsai tree unique. It's this. The reason why a bonsai tree is what it is is because they've taken the larger tree but have put it in a limited container. Because if you're good at what you do with the bonsai tree, apparently what we should do, we didn't do, but apparently not only are you constantly trimming its growth and pruning it, but also every two to three times a year, you should take it out of its pot and you should actually prune the roots. Didn't know that. So if you took the bonsai tree, now get, follow me for a moment. This is not a, a, a lesson in bonsai trees. I'm making a point. If you took the bonsai tree and changed the pot, the tree would grow bigger. The reason why the bonsai tree stays the same size is because the depth and the size of the container. But the tree has the same characteristics as a bigger tree. It's not a dwarf. It's the same thing. So you and I, mm, ooh, somebody, come on, come on, bear with me here. We're getting, to, we're, we're getting to the punchline here, and you, you're going to miss it. You and I, when we come to Christ, we carry the seed of Christ in us. When we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. When we receive His Spirit, we see we are impregnated with His DNA. So from that point, then, you and I can become him. The problem is, here's what happens. When we start off in Christ, our container is small. So there's growth in our life. And we start to take on Christ-like characteristics. But God is this big, and we're here. We're like, okay, wait, what happens? So what does God begin to do? You know, you're praying, God, right? And this is the prayer we pray. We don't know what we're praying, but this is the prayer, right? We pray, oh, God, whatever it takes, I got to be more like you, God. Oh, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be more like you. He goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. You want to be more like me? Let's start here. Let's, let's start right here. You want to be more like me? We got to make this bigger. We got to make the soil of your life bigger. You know what soil is made out of? Decay. Rotting. You know, like some best soil is when you mix it with some fertilizer. You know what fertilizer is? I'm going to give you a, the three-year-old world for fertilizer. Poop. Smell. They just did something not too long ago. One of our neighbors got topsoil. I felt like I was living on a farm. Smells terrible, but it's the best dirt. It creates the greatest riches. So you know what God does? Mm, come on, somebody. Help me here. You say, God, form me. You know what God says? Okay, to form you, i got to bring some stink in your life. Wait a minute. I don't want stink. I want to be formed. Yeah, I'm going to form you. I'm going to bring some stink in your I'm going to let some people dump some stuff in you. I'm going to let some trouble come to you. Some difficulties, some trials, some circumstances, because all that stuff is going to get in you and it's not going to smell good and it may not be made what you want. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that what is good for us doesn't always feel good, but there's some stuff that's going to be dumped in you. But the purpose of it is to increase your base 
so that your base can be increased so that your growth can be greater. Because the deeper the roots, the higher the tree, right? So when these roots are in this tree here, let me get another color here. I'm like, these are not proper color roots, but let's say at this time, these roots of this tree are here, right? Can you see that? You can see it a little bit. It's kind of murky. But those, those roots are here. And that's all you can see. Maybe blue will show up better. So you got roots in this tree right here, right? And as long as these roots stay, stay limited to this area, this tree can only grow to a certain level. So this tree can only grow to there. Why? Because it's determined by the roots. So if you want to look at the height of the tree, look at it determined by the roots. So what do we do? In order to do that, God increases our base so that our roots can go deeper. And the more the roots go deeper, guess what? God says, okay, you can't, no longer stop there. Now you're going here. And you stay there and you grow and it takes maturity. And you know what? In growth, for it to grow, there's got to be pruning involved, right? There's trimming back. There's cutting back. There's some shaping, reshaping. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, man, look at this. Look how much I've grown. Now my tree. And you say, okay, God, this is awesome. And you get, then it then starts to build up in you again. Oh, God, I want to be more like you. And he goes, okay, all right, here we go. All right, next. And then you know what happens? It just keeps going like this. And you just keep going like this. And you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and more stuff and more stuff. And you know what? You get to these layers and now you're dealing with things from your past, right? And now you're dealing with, we're dealing with hurts, right? And then you're dealing with shame. And every layer feels like, oh my God, why am I dealing with this stuff? And you're dealing with stuff that you're like, wait a minute, this happened when I was four years old. What does it matter? Because now we're deep enough in you that the roots are now digging all the way down into the depths of your soul because the depth of that is determined the height of the tree. But if you stay up here and you say, God, you know what? Let my life be perfect. You're going to have a, you're going to have a Christ-like formation, but it's not going to impact. But today, if you walk out to California and you see those redwood trees that are hundreds of feet, they are awe-inspiring. God's not trying to create bonsai trees. He said you'd be like a tree planted by the water. When God is forming you, you have to participate. But he's the one in charge. If we go through the layers of the, the, these, these four guys, and there was more added, right? There was eight more added. But Peter, Andrew, James, and John, look at the formation of those guys. They went from these country fishermen that they were formed into these Christ-like world changers in three years. They carried the DNA of Christ, but the transformation required a process. What are you becoming today? What is the process by which you are allowing in your life? Because you are either in two categories today. You are either in a conform mode or a form mode. 
you're either being conformed by fear, worry, doubt, stress, anxiety, ideologies of this world, humanism, pride, flesh, pleasure, conforming by that, or you are allowing God to form you. You're allowing God to form you. You know what? This is very much like two different things. Conformity, when I think of conformity, I think of a mold, right? It's a predetermined shape and you take the substance and you smash it down into that mold to form that shape into whatever you need to. And it's being pressed into that shape. But when I think of formation, I think of the potter where the, the wheel is spinning, but the hands of the potter are working as it pushes inward and outward to allow that formation to take place. You're not conforming the clay. You're forming the clay. You're not pushing the clay into a predetermined mold. You're forming the clay. The clay has to participate. The clay has to allow this to happen. But the hands of the potter are creating it. But when you're being conformed, you're being pressed. If you feel pressure today, if you feel pressed down, if you're feeling like you're being pressed, it's not God because you're, in, you're being conformed. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word transform means to metamorphose like a butterfly leaving the cocoon. It's an inward transformation. It's an inward breaking out. It's A butterfly is not built by pressing in and saying, okay, give wings. It's putting in to the DNA can be pushed out. But there's an outward movement. But conformity is pressure, stress. <sighs> Formation is where God's hands in our life creating and moving us. That's why... It's very hard sometimes to judge the formation process because it's not, you see it, but sometimes you don't know. We judge people because like, look, look. Because you know what? Religion conforms. Don't want to get on this for a second. Religion is awesome of conformity. Do this, don't do that. And then everyone starts to act and dress and look the same. We're like, look how much progress we're making. No, we just got really good at conforming. But when you're forming, it's messy. It doesn't always look like Look at Peter. He made more mistakes than he did successes because he was being formed. What's your choice today? Are you being conformed? Are you being transformed? What are you becoming today? What are you, what is happening? That's why several months ago, my wife uh, talked about here on a Sunday morning. I encourage you, if you didn't listen to it, go back. Waiting on the Lord. But when we think about waiting. We think of just sitting back going, okay, God, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. But to wait on the Lord means to intertwine with him, to get in connection with him, to get in alignment with him. If you're waiting on him because you're connecting with him and getting intertwined with him, that's what formation's about. Formation is not an overnight process. Formation is about letting us getting intertwined with him, connected with him. I am the, he's the vine, the branches. He's the source. So you're, choice today is are you conformed or formed it's really simple because when you get to form and formation it really leads to one thing not my will but thine be done that he can be in charge of your life this is discipleship simplified follow me that i can form you that i can change your focus and ultimately you can forsake 
things in order to find me. In Jesus' name, until next time.